0: Okay, so do you want to do you want to do a little bit of what so I will introduce us in the podcast and then I'll go through what we can expect from today's episode. Do you want to do it that way? Yeah, they'll edit it out, but he is on like seven kinds of energy drinks, so it's hard (laughs) to tell what Colin's going to say. It could be a real (laughs) wild one here. Welcome to another episode of Talking FinTech, with Colin and Jeremy. I'm Jeremy Potter. I am Colin Dark. Is this the, another episode, or is this the first episode? Well, that's what i, I think we're just going to imply to people that we've been doing this our whole lives, our years. All right. Today, we'll be interviewing yes. Mark Franson. He's a partner at Chapman Cutler and on the board of governors at the Online Lending Policy Institute, where Colin is also on the board of governors. We'll be talking to Mark about Opie's mission the upcoming LendIt FinTech conference in California, some of the definitional things and challenges around marketplace lending, including risk and pain points, and trying to get Mark and Colin to tell us a little bit more about the true lender issue that continues to come up or bubble up in different court cases around the country.
1: Yeah, that sounds about it. And I would also say with Mark, uh, I don't wanna say it when he's on the line, Um, Mark is the uh, recognized expert in marketplace lending. So investors and platforms uh, often go to Mark when they have any like regulatory questions, and he, he has a lot of sway with the regulators.
0: Give him a call. Um, Mark Franson. Hi, Mark. This is Jeremy and Colin. How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Well, thanks. Uh, so I already, I already uh,
1: queued up, or Jeremy queued you up a little about um, being a partner at Chapman Cutler marketplace lending expert, the foremost authority on all things marketplace lending, on the uh, Board of Governors of the Online Lending Policy Institute. And I was going to read the mission uh, just so our listeners uh, know what OLPI is all about. And OLPI is dedicated to producing actionable ideas to ensure the responsible growth of online lending through thought leadership and fostering a meaningful dialogue between policymakers, industry experts, and academics. You and I are actually speaking at LendIt in San Francisco. And and I was going to plug that last year, we did similar joint enterprise at LendIt, where it was standing room only, so it was, uh, it was very well received. So we're back again to kind of meet the need that's there for Uh, insightful policy discussions.
0: Mark, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate uh, taking some time to chat with us about marketplace
2: lending. My pleasure. Happy to do so.
0: So one of the things we always start with are definitions. Seems that's a big area uh, of this industry of fintech and of the, uh, the regulatory landscape. Can you tell us a little bit about how you think about marketplace lending and how you define or talk about some of the products and the platforms?
2: There is really no single or universal definition of what constitutes marketplace lending, but in general, uh, marketplace lenders uh, can be viewed as companies engaged in internet-based lending businesses, companies who are not banks or savings associations or otherwise regulated financial institutions. And the term generically Can identify participants whether they be in the marketing origination selling or or servicing uh, of loans through um, through the internet
1: and i know one of the definitional issues that we've seen come up especially with state agencies and regulators in general is a confusion of marketplace lending
2: and payday lending first of all payday lending is regulated at a state level in in many states, and they actually provide definitions of of what a payday loan is, which is generally a short-term, small-dollar, deposit-secured product, uh, which typically have high annual percentage rates. I think some people confuse payday lending with online lending because some players in the field, uh, initially used banks to make these types of loans until the federal banking regulatory agency stopped that from, from happening, uh, essentially. And the marketplace lenders that we work with and see in the marketplace typically uh, limit their loans to uh, loans that have rates less than 36%. So there really is a huge difference between a marketplace lender and a payday lender. And uh, for our
1: audience, again, with the payday lending definitions and uh, state level, it's often loans that are made and uh, have repayment terms of less than 45 days. In the marketplace lending realm, the core products are a 36-month and a sixty month loan product, so the, the core product is very different, but I think because of the bank partnership model that came out, um, and there was a lot of a series of uh, cases against cash call that was a payday lender, and C if even went after cash call, a lot of attorney generals did, and that so kind of conflated like the issues that were addressed there onto the marketplace lending because there was that bank partnership. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times banks partner with numerous vendors to, to deliver their products better. And they try to get into uh, technology to kind of meet the expectations of consumers. They're very different products um, and different relationships, uh, but it does uh, pop up a lot.
0: Yeah, let's dig into that for just a minute. So, Mark, is what Colin is saying, is this a, a more traditional product? that's been out there and the volume was what it was, and now that volume of consumer lending has shifted online? Or has the creation of online platforms, apps, and the different mobile technologies that allow consumers to see and feel these products up close, has that changed, in in your experience, the volume that we're talking about here? In other words, was this just, people were getting loans from banks, and now they're getting loans online? Or is there a new interest
2: and a new market for this type of of borrowing? Unsecured installment lending has been around for decades. And what we saw was that during the financial crisis that started about 10 years ago, uh, banks became much more reluctant to make these kinds of loans because it wasn't profitable for them. The the, uh, work and effort to make those particular loans and underwrite those particular loans um, did did not make sense. And as a result, uh, many of the banks either reduced this type of lending or, or exited this particular product and that opened up a void Um, for which the online lending industry started uh, because there was this need. Customers still wanted uh, unsecured installment loans and the addition of new and uh, better technology allowed this to be done in an easier way online. It's making lending more streamlined so you can
1: allow... Uh, certain banks to get to the core clients in an easier, more efficient way, and I just think it 's interesting that they have to have a different scorecard for the loans that are going through this relationship and i, I some of it 's you know you need to understand the the fraud you you need to be comfortable with the online lending platforms that are being used properly executing on the expectations of like the bank partnership. And I go a lot to the bank partnership rather than the balance sheet lenders that are in this space, uh, because I think that's the most interesting hiccup. And that goes into kind of our next topic, which we will talk about, like one of the bigger pain points in this industry is this true lender issue that pops up. And when it pops up, it is a new industry because it's these new platforms jumping into take on some of the responsibilities that banks have traditionally had, but um, so that they could bring new products in a a streamlined way to consumers. So they were competing with traditional banks. Mark, could you kind of let us know your thoughts on like this true lender pain point and how it plays into this definitional issue and just the structure of the bank partner model with the marketplace lending?
2: (laughs) Sure. So by, by way of background, traditionally, uh, installment lending was done by licensed lenders on a state-by-state basis, other than through financial institutions. But as one can well imagine, uh, getting licenses in 50 different states and complying with the laws of 50 different states uh, became somewhat complex. So as in other types of, of lending, uh, the installment lending got to the point where uh, there were uh, arrangements made with financial institutions so that the financial institutions would actually fund uh, the loans. And some of these marketplace lenders might market the loans, uh, they might service the loans, they might purchase the loans, they might do some or, or all of those particular functions. And it's, it's that particular model where these loans have been originated by insured financial institutions that has generated these legal challenges that uh, because the non-bank partner does a lot of the work and sees a lot of the benefit from these arrangements, that it is really that non-bank partner That is the true lender, rather than the financial institution itself. And as a result, the theory is that then they should have licenses under state law, and they should adhere to state uh, rate and fee usury limitations. And uh, in in essence, are using the bank as some type of uh, you know front or or sham. This originate-to-sell model, as it's often called, uh, has actually been used for for decades. Banks make loans and then they sell them to non-bank uh, entities. You know, think of uh, uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, uh, and in the case of, of student loans, uh, you know, uh, the old Sally Mae. So this has been done for a long period of time. But again, the new technology, the new delivery. Uh, mechanism has caused some of these true lender theories to surface, primarily again uh, as a result of uh, the payday lenders uh, originally partnering with banks to to make loans, where um, probably there were um, ab- abuses uh, being made by those uh, payday lenders. Uh, and that's not the case with with marketplace lenders.
0: Yeah, I find it interesting when, you know, talking about lending, uh, traditional, online, whatever, typically when you talk about risk, you're thinking of repayment risk or default risk, and how interesting it is that the conversation has almost flipped that now the risk is talking about speed, platform, and innovation. That's regulatory risk, effectively, and yet, really, it doesn't sound like you've said there's any more default risk right there this actually the the algorithms here the ability to repay the underwriting fundamentally hasn't changed that much it's actually the delivery and the platform where all of this quote-unquote risk has popped up what yeah. am i wrong about that no you're right a lot of the the traditional
1: underwriting yeah. risk it's still a lot of the it's dti and fico focus and its ability to repay is a focus of everyone's and because of the delivery mechanism and because it's online there's this concern of greater risk with this bank partnership model and the, the risk goes to this true lender. It did pop up with this this other type of bank partner model which was there were these payday lenders and the concern of rent a charter rent a tribe type relationships where they the bank or this this tribe isn't really involved in any of the lending they're just used for their name, and you you see the tribes office is just like a empty room in the middle of a um, like a strip mall, and there were a lot of these bad actors out there that had practices also where things weren't disclosed, fees weren't transparent. They had these short terms so that the APRs went upwards to nine hundred percent APR. So. If you can do a press announcement where you went after this payday lender that was charging your consumers 900% APR, no one's going to kick you out of office as the attorney general. So a lot of state uh, actors and regulators had this framework for understanding payday lenders and the, the evils associated with that. And then you also have Congress having the same background and understanding this. So then- Online lending, which all these complaints you had about payday lending and consumers not understanding the terms and being kind of stuck in these uh, debt loops, there's all these random fees for refinancing the loan over and over again. Some of those issues are, they're done away with because they're partnering with a bank. They understand all the, the federal and a lot of these state disclosure requirements it's all transparent. And it's not these 900%, like Mark said before, it's 36% and under. Mm-hmm. And then you have certain states going after these marketplace lenders with true lender arguments and and por- borrowing from the cash call case and trying to push those facts on some of these lenders. And, and one of the more interesting i guess or one of the cases that are uh, that's out there is uh, a colorado case there's crb and webbank are the main banks out there one of crb's platforms is marlette um, and their platform they call best egg you might have seen some of those advertising and then WebBank's is uh, avon mark could you kind of give an overview of what's going on in colorado sure
2: And by way of background, I'd also like to remind everyone that these marketplace lenders that are in arrangements with financial institutions are service providers to those banks. And under federal law, service providers must go through a vetting process by those banks. But by the same token, state regulators um, also want to have a hand in the mix. And that's exactly what's going on in Colorado. The attorney general there has sued two of those platforms in state court, claiming that the loans uh, exceed the rates uh, and some fees that are allowed by Colorado law, in contradiction of the notion of federal preemption, which essentially says a bank who makes a loan can export the rates and fees of the state and place where it is located nationwide. And they preempt all contrary state laws. Evidently, Colorado takes issue with that because they have brought these, these actions against the two marketplace lenders. And in response to that, the uh, two banks involved in those programs filed their own lawsuits against the state asking the court to declare that federal preemption does trump state laws, and and therefore the programs are are valid. Uh, Both are really in various states of procedure, uh, jockeying between whether this should be in federal court or state court, um, whether or not these actions should be dismissed or not. So there is nothing definitive at the moment. Uh, on these particular things, but uh, the fact that a state regulator is challenging this uh, provides a great deal of uncertainty and therefore probably the biggest arena of of risk and uncertainty in this marketplace lending realm.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too, and with the payday lenders and the scary number of 900% APR, and Colorado's going after these platforms because they allowed notes to be signed with Colorado citizens that were above the Colorado usury rate of 21%. And, you know, the majority of them are like the CRB ones are capped at 30% and web banks 36%. And they're also pushing to say one One of the key facts that they they flag is the fact that the bank sells a loan or at least a portion of loans to the platform after making the loan after a few days They are in various states there like there's nothing definitive going on with those cases right now, but the uh, Colorado is being aggressive of initially saying because um because you're servicing these loans you have some legal right in the loan so you have to get this particular license and now that you have this license and you're participating with a bank you are violating the statute we just told you that you have to get licensed under
0: right. sort of like a reverse engineering legal theory yeah oh and they and they purposely
1: they don't include obviously webbank or crb in the actions they brought against the platforms and they're the platforms you know Best Egg and Avon they're initially like this is interfering with their uh, right to export their interest rate and with Avon at least it got it did get remanded to the state court and the the federal court saying you know they they didn't um, sue the sue the bank so they're not really arguing about preemption um, so this could be a state matter but it's the nature of where they critical vendors to a bank that they're being challenged of the right to buy. Loans from the bank, and that actually goes into some of the headaches of the Madden case. Madden was um, a Second Circuit decision that was wrongly decided, uh, that's universally <laughs> acknowledged as being wrong- wrongly decided because it didn't consider a valid, when-made theory that's been common law that if a bank makes a loan that's not usurious, it's you know it's, it's a valid enforceable instrument by selling that loan it doesn't automatically, it doesn't like lose that protection. Um, Madden implied that it did. Um, And so the impact too of Colorado going after these platforms is the investors, the investor appetite. So investors are, you know, okay, second circuit,
0: I don't want to buy loans that are above this rate. Yeah, so it sounds like lenders... And uh, the industry is definitely fighting this in court. Eyes are on Colorado, eyes are on the second circuit or uh, whatever fix comes out of the Madden case. What else does Opie do? Uh, what else do uh, the lenders in the industry do to try to combat this? Is this going to be won and lost in state court or federal court? Or is there other things that you're seeing or that you, your clients or you, Colin, are doing to, well, to my- try to... Mark could talk
1: about the uh, Madden fix, which is uh, making its way
2: uh, through Congress and kind of the state of that. Sure. The Madden case uh, decided in 2015 essentially said that an assignee of a loan could not take advantage of the federal preemption that the originating bank had uh, if the bank no longer held an interest in, in the loan. And in that instance, it was the sale of charged off debt to to a debt collector. And as Colin rightly points out, this uh, has upended the market. It's affected securitizations. Um, It it keeps people from getting loans in the three states that are affected uh, by that law, New York, Vermont, and and Connecticut. And so uh, a legislative fix has been uh, proposed. Uh, The legislation has passed the Uh, United States House of Representatives. Uh, It is pending in the Senate. Uh, It is unlikely that the Senate will uh, deal with this particular bill on a standalone basis, primarily uh, because uh, consumer groups have been trying to tie marketplace lending to payday lending and as as a result uh this has created some issues with respect to the prospects of of passage and in the senate i believe it needs 60 votes in order to pass
0: well that's well said and we look forward to the day when that happens in the meantime we'll keep talking about these cases and certainly keep an eye on it so You can catch Colin and Mark at LendIt Fintech 2018. That'll be happening April 9th through 11th in San Francisco. Cross River Bank and OLPI have sponsored the policy and regulation track. It's a full day of sessions. We appreciate look your perspective, at, Mark, and thanks uh, Fintech issues, for sharing policy issues, today. Regulatory Thank issues you. in the uncharted territories hey, of hey, financial services. So you don't want to miss yeah, that the, discussion. Yeah, the big takeaway for sure to today was that the, the, the platform speed, the innovation at which we were able to deliver these products to the consumer seems to be the thing that raised the most red flags. It wasn't actually the product structure. It wasn't actually the product itself. It was simply the speed and innovation at which consumers could access this credit that became the thing that created a lot of uh, state action.
1: Yeah, I guess that's one of my bigger takeaways too. It's just, it's a wait and see. It's matured. The industry itself has matured. Um, And like Mark said, after Madden, everyone was really scared that this was just going to be like ushering a bunch of lawsuits and nothing happened. And I think some states are getting
0: educated that, you know, this isn't a harm to consumers. It's actually a benefit to consumers. So catch Colin and Mark at the Lended FinTech Conference, April 9th through 11th in San Francisco. You'll hear more about the policy issues, the regulatory issues, and the legal issues that we've been talking about today. So from the Benzingo offices in downtown Detroit. This is Jeremy. This is Colin. And we're talking fintech.